0: Hey, uh, next week, can you turn me down just a little? Thank you. Uh, next week, um, we're not having a Bible study in here. So don't come for a midweek Bible study next week. We're having our Passover Seder dinner next week. And also, if you come next week for the Passover Seder dinner, um, we're starting at 6.30, not 7. So get the word out. I hope many of you will be here next week. And, if you've never had a chance to participate in a Seder dinner, it's going to be an awesome time. You can still get tickets for that if you uh, have not yet done that. So, And you can get those after the service. And uh, the deadline to get your tickets will be on uh, this Sunday. So, um, exc- can you believe next week's already? The end of March and uh, Easter season upon us. crazy how fast everything's going. Um, I've been enjoying our time in the book of Proverbs. It's been wonderful to just kind of look through the book and uh, be reminded of some very important truths and we're going to continue forward with Proverbs tonight and uh, the same pattern. Um, I'll put all of our Proverbs up on screen tonight since we'll be looking at a lot of them so um, you'll be able to see the Bible verses on screen tonight. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, several times we just sang a request, a prayer, a promise that we would surrender ourselves to you. We asked you to take all of me, all of us. And that means all of us, Lord. You want all of our lives, every compartment. And we certainly, Lord, want you in every compartment of our life. Because you bring beauty and fruit. And so, Lord, I I do pray that when we ask you to take all of us, we truly mean it. And we really want you to take every part of us. Would you bless this time, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Kind of the uh, theme I've been using as we go through the book of Proverbs, there are about 500 Proverbs in this book. And I think of each proverb as a little golden nugget, a little golden nugget, little piece of wisdom that you can pick up and take and apply to your life. And then as you're going through the book of Proverbs, you want to collect them. You want to put them in different buckets, different topics, because there's a lot of reiteration in the book of Proverbs, a lot of Proverbs that relate to different subjects. Now, we've looked at some very general principles. We've looked at some character principles. Um, Last week, we looked at some family principles. And uh, very important. This week we're going to look at some money principles, finances, wealth. You should know that there is a whole lot of wisdom in the book of Proverbs concerning money, concerning your finances. And if you were just to follow what you learn from the book of Proverbs, you would be financially healthy and whole. Now, there are six principles that are reiterated in the book of Proverbs when it comes to money. And we're going to go through them very quickly tonight. The number one principle is this. What does that say? Work. Work. Book of Proverbs teaches that you are to work hard for money. Money is something that is to be earned with good old-fashioned hard work. It says in Proverbs 24, I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep. A little slumber. A little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler, and your need like an armed man. So here we have the scene of a field that belongs to a lazy man. In the NIV, he's called a sluggard, a sloth. This guy has a field that he's supposed to be maintaining. He's not maintaining it. He's lazy. It's overgrown with thorns, covered with nettles. This guy has a vineyard. He's supposed to be maintaining the vineyard. He's not. He's lazy. The protective stone wall around the vineyard is crumbling. And so this is the man who is headed towards poverty. Very simple concept. Laziness leads to poverty. Hard work leads to wealth or at least enough income to live on to make a good living. Christian, we are to be hard workers. And there is no shortcut. And the harder you work, the more money you can expect to earn. If you're lazy, you won't earn much money. That's just it. Now, here in America, most of us, if we have a job, we work for a company, we have employers, we have a boss. If you're a hard worker, if you're reliable, if you can be depended upon, you're going to excel. If you're lazy, you're not going to be valuable, and you're not going to excel. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 26 says, Listen, as vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who send him. Have you ever got smoke in your eyes when you're at the barbecue pit or around a campfire? Is that nice? How it burns? That is the reaction that an employer has to a lazy employee. You're smoke in the eyes. We are to work hard for money. Also we are to do honest work. Proverbs 13:11 Wealth gained by dishonesty will be what? diminished. But he who gathers by labor will increase. We are to make an honest living. We are not to get money in any illegal kind of way. No Christian should make money as a drug dealer on the street, okay? No Christian should make money as a prostitute. I don't think any Christian should be making money off the different vices. I think we should all have an honest living that provides a reputable service to people. And it should be done at a reasonable cost. You should not cheat. You should not scam. You should not fraud. The Bible says that if you do that, it will all be diminished. I think we've all heard that popular fable where a rich man wanted to help a poor man. And so the rich man hired the poor man to build a house on the hillside and then he went on a long journey and so this guy starts building the house but he thinks hey man I can cut some corners and he starts using all this cheap all this cheap material the stuff that you can't see so he does it he builds it really cheaply and then when the rich man comes back and the guy says here's, here's the house that I built for you and he goes that's awesome here's the keys this house is for you Goes on to say in that parable, we live in the house we build. If we do a shoddy job, we cheat one person, ourselves. We are to work honestly, reputably, with excellence. Proverbs 14, verse 23, I love this. In all labor, there is profit. But idle chatter leads only to poverty. Now, this is talking about the person that's always talking about wealth. You ever run into that person? They just chatter, 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 chatter. The dreamers that talk about how they might get rich, all their scheming, all their planning. And it's always some get-rich-quick scheme. Something that promises them something on the internet or the radio or this is the person that says I'm eventually going to win the lottery or I'm going to gamble and I'm going to make... All these idle, chatter, unrealistic, dreaming and scheming. There are many households, guys, listen guys, my brothers... There's a lot of guys that put their families through financial roller coasters because the man is after all of these things. Hey, listen, there's nothing wrong to dream, but don't quit your day job. Work hard. Make an honest living. So Proverbs is very clear on that. Money is obtained through hard honest work. Okay, let's think of another one. This is the bucket that I'm going to call stewardship. We are to be good stewards. If you want to be wealthy, if you want to protect wealth, then you need to take care of your stuff. You need to be a good steward of what God has entrusted to you. Again, you go back to that guy in Proverbs chapter 24. I went by the field of a lazy man and by the vineyard of a man devoid of understanding. There it was, all overgrown. So this guy has a field and he's neglecting it. It's property that's been entrusted to him and he's let it go. This guy has a vineyard and there's a wall that's around it and it's crumbling. He's neglecting his own property. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 10, a righteous man regards the life of his animal, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. In those days, animals were essential to work, were they not? The oxen, the donkeys, the mules, all the, it was like the, the, the ancient tractors, Right? And a righteous guy takes care of his animals, Make sure that they're well-wested, they're fed. It's, it's their property, they're maintaining, they're being a good steward. It's very simple. God has entrusted things into your, into your care. You've worked hard for things, now take care of them. Has God blessed you with a house? Take care of it. Don't neglect it. Do you have a car? Feed it with oil. Properly maintain stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. They've called our day and age the, the throw away and buy new age. You know, there used to be a time where you tried to fix things when it broke. There used to actually be TV repairmen. Are there any TV repairmen today? Your TV goes out, what do you do? You buy a new one so we kind of throw away things, but listen, you could save a lot of money if when something breaks, you, you fix it, you repair it, you maintain it, you're a good steward. One foolish man explained why he bought his new car. He said, I was faced with the choice of buying a $100 battery for my old car or an $18,000 new car, and they wanted cash for the battery. What a fool. Fortunately, that's the way a lot of people live. I just throw it away. Get something new. Be a good steward. Very, very important. Take care of your stuff. Okay, here's another one. What does that say? You guys all love that word, don't you? Budget. The book of Proverbs over and over again teaches that we are to plan, plan the way we use money. It's supposed to be something that you think about. And that means budget. I love this passage. Go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Now, I think this has got to be one of the most humbling proverbs in the book of Proverbs. God is telling us to go look at the insects. He's saying, Man, woman, Look at the ants. Learn a lesson from the insects. And what can we learn? Have you ever seen an ant hill? They're busy, aren't they? They work hard. They're industrious. An ant can lift 20 times their own body weight. Hard workers. We can. Learn. In fact, it says, go to the ant, you sluggard. If you're lazy, look at the ant. Learn from the ant. But we also see that even ants are working according to a plan. It's a very primitive plan, but it's a plan nevertheless. The ants recognize that focus is to be directed towards certain tasks in the summer, and focus is to be directed towards other tasks in the harvest. They plan. And so should we plan. Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to what? Plenty. But those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. In other words, if you plan how you're going to use your money, you're going to lead to plenty. If you're frivolous, if you're spontaneous, if there's no thought, that's going to lead to poverty. Now, to plan with money means to budget, at least in our day and age. Now, I know we don't like the word budget. That's something that we think of that's used in a boardroom with a bunch of boring accountants, right? And all of the spreadsheets and all of the QuickBooks and all of that, listen... It may be boring, but it's a necessity, and you have to do that. You should have a monthly budget. You should know what's coming in every month and what's going out every month, and you should determine how your money is going to be spent every month. You have this much money coming in, so much money is budgeted for the mortgage, the utilities, the car payment, the entertainment, the clothing, The groceries, the saving, the tithing, every single cent should be marked. So you know where your money's going. You know how you're spending it. Now listen, married couples, husband and wife, listen. You have to be on the same page with a budget. If you ever get a chance, you should take Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. By the way, all of this is a lot of common sense kind of stuff. There's a lot of uh, more information that could be filled in here if you take a class with Dave or, or anything like that. But Dave says that we should have, as married couples, budget meetings. Doesn't that sound fun? Husband and wife have a budget meeting at least twice a month. At the beginning of the month to see how things are going to go. And then halfway through to see how things are going. And budget everything. And be realistic. Work together. Husband, don't say we're going to spend $100 this month on groceries. That's not realistic, is it? Work together. Decide what's in those categories. Milton Berle, famous comedian, said My wife makes the budget work. We do without a lot of things I don't need. You got to be on the same page. You got to plan. And if things happen, listen, you adjust. But you got to talk. You got to communicate. Now, there is something that Kim and I learned in our premarital class, which I have kept to this day. In every marriage, in every marriage, there's going to be either the husband or the wife, one of them that takes care of the books, so to speak, the one who takes care of the finances. Have you found that to be true in your marriage? One of you will take care of that. In our family, that's me. I deal with all the details, and I do all the entering and all of that, And I have to be able to communicate where we're at all the time to Kim, or vice versa, if the roles were reversed. However, one of the things that I learned, and I'm just throwing this in at this point, is uh, the importance of, of making sure that your wife actually knows what you do. On paper, our counselors told us that we should have a black book. Okay? Now, when I pay the bills, I'm online. How many of you pay the bills online? And you use passwords. And you have bills coming from every direction, don't you? And some you pay online. Some you pay with checks. Some are automatic withdrawals. All of this information. Now, the person who does that in your marriage, that's a lot of information to have up here. Now, what happens if that person dies? The other person's in a world of hurt. So we were told very early, the the person that does that in a marriage, you make a black book. And so I have a black book that I present to Kim as a New Year's Eve gift. New Year's Day, first week of every January, I present my bride with my black book. And it's an act of my love for her. It's pages, pages you won't believe how many details you hold in your head. And you put it down on paper so that if something ever were to happen to me, Kim could move forward or at least have a roadmap. But you have to be on the same page. Budget, budget, communicate. Okay, so what do we got so so far? Hard work, stewardship, plan. What's this one? Save. Save, save, save. Save money. Again, let's go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which have no captain, overseer, or ruler. Provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. What does the ant do? The ant is gathering Food in the harvest and storing it for the summer. Insects save. Ants don't recklessly spend everything that they get, they save. We should be saving. Proverbs 21, verse 20. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. If you have a wise household, if you are a wise home, if you're a wise family, you will have savings. You will save a lot of money. You don't just spend everything that comes in. Why do we need savings? Have you ever heard of these little things called emergencies? Does anybody ever have any emergency I can remember one time in our life, our oven, our dishwasher, and our dryer broke down in a couple of weeks. And then I think a week later, one of our cars broke down. Things break down, don't they? And you have got to have money in savings for the emergencies. Very important. I think we should also save in order to buy things. Save up to buy the new washer. To buy the now that's a radical idea today, isn't it? Because what do most people do? You charge it. You can put it. Everything's you know. Put 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 it down and make payments. Save up for stuff. Buy things with cash. Save up for vacations. Save up for special days. Folks, Christmas comes every year on the same day. Did you know that? Every year. When does it come? Every year, December 25th. You know it's coming. Every birthday in your household, does that change from year to year? You know. Save for it. Plan for it. And then what else should we do with our savings? Why else should we save? For retirement, for an inheritance that we can leave to our kids and future generations. Nothing wrong with that. Important. Save money. I want to give you uh, an example of when you're saving for retirement, how powerful it can be with compound interest. Let's say at the age of 20, you decided that you were going to spend $10 every week on lottery tickets until the age of 65. So you're spending $40 a month beginning at the age of 20 all the way to the age of 65, $40 a month. What are you going to have at the the age of 65? Well, you're not going to have the lottery because you didn't win it. Instead, you are going to have spent or thrown away $21,600. Okay, let's say at the age of 20, instead of buying lottery tickets, you put $40 a month, $40 a month, in an account that's earning 6% interest. That $21,600 will have become $110,000. That's money. That's wise. Let's say you put $100 in a month from the age of 20 to the age of 65, $100 a month at 6% interest. You will have saved, you would have put in, $54,000, but your money at that point would be worth $276,000. Let's say you did $100 per month, beginning at the age of 20 all the way through the age of 65, and you found an account that earned 12% interest. You will have put in $54,000, but your money would have been Multiplied to $1,176,000. The power of compound interest. Simply putting money away. Save. Don't devour it all every month. Book of Proverbs says you should save. All right. How about this one? Avoid debt. Do not get in debt. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. If you are in debt, you are a slave. You're a slave. You are a slave to who you owe. You are a slave to MasterCard. You are a slave to Sears. If you get in a lot of debt, my friend, you do not have freedom. I mean, literally, you might be in a job that you hate. You wish you could find another job, but you've got to stay in this job that you hate. Why? Because you have to pay off debt. There's no options. That bumper sticker, I owe, I owe, so it's off to work, I go, right? You find yourself, you have to work to pay off debt. You have no freedom. Do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts, If you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take away your bed from under you? You can become bankrupt if you get in too much debt. You can lose everything. Debt is a horrific thing. It is your enemy. You do not want to be in debt. If you are in debt, you want to get out of debt. problem is uh, we live in a society that is based on debt, isn't it? There is so much debt in America. I I checked today. Our nation, our nation is in debt to the tune of $21 trillion. That's almost $65,000 in debt per citizen of the United States of America. Our nation doesn't care about debt, obviously. And then many households... Are, are loaded with debt. We don't save. We finance. One person said, the only reason a great many American families don't own an elephant is that they've never been offered an, element, an elephant for a dollar down and easy weekly payments, right? We buy everything on debt. Don't. Is there anything that we can get into debt over? I mean, the, the, the real pure hard answer to that is no, buy everything in cash. Now, I would say realistically to have a house, to have a mortgage on a house, something that you're pouring into and you're investing into and it increases value. Um, maybe investing in an education for sure, going in, into a debt for that, And listen, you need a car. So maybe you have to go into debt for a car. But listen, you should only get into debt that you can easily service with a lot more other income above and beyond. All the credit card debt, all of that stuff, has to go get out of debt stay out of debt I want you to think through this and I don't want you to give your answers out loud but just kind of go through your mind how much do you spend on debt every month how much are you paying to things for debt every month just kind of put a number what if you had that money to spend on anything you wanted Every month. What if you could invest that? What if you could save that? Very tough for Americans. The Bible is absolutely clear. If you want to be wise with your money. Don't get into debt. Stay out of debt. And if you are in debt. Get out of debt as quickly as possible. Okay. A sixth principle. Be generous. Be generous with your money. Bless people with money. Don't be a hoarder. Don't be a miser. And see, that's why those other two principles are so important. We have a generous God who blesses us, and as God's people, we're to be generous, right? Now, as God's people, if we don't save, and we're in debt, how is it that we can be generous with other people? God has given us finances. To take care of our our houses and and our families. but, But also to be a blessing to other people. Proverbs 19 verse 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the whom? Lord. And he will pay back what he has given. Proverbs 28 verse 27. He who gives to the poor will not lack but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. God wants us to be generous. And the Bible promises, listen, the Bible promises, you do well with money, you save money, you're responsible with money, and you bless others, you help the poor, God pays you back. The Lord blesses you. We should use our money to bless other people. We should use our money to honor the Lord, to support his work. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. We are to support the Lord's work with money. The work of God on this planet is to be funded by the people of God. Churches are to be funded by God's people. Missionaries funded by God's people. Charities. All the good needs to be funded by God's people. And with our money, we are to fund God's work. We're to be generous. And again, if you're responsible with money and you stay out of debt, And you save and you live within a budget. And by the way, you put saving and tithing into your budget. You plan for it, it's all there. Then you have money. By the way, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits. What are the first fruits? The first and best. God is to be given the first and the best. The first and best of your paycheck. The first and best of your resources. Not the leftovers. Not, well, I've paid for everything. I took care of all the entertainment and all of that, and I got a couple bucks left over. My brother and sister in Christ, the Lord is to be number one in your pocketbook. Support his work. And check it out. Again, it's a promise that you find throughout scripture, old and new. Just like if you give to the poor, the Lord gives back. If you give to the Lord, your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wine. You never outgive God. God promises. The Lord takes care of us. The Lord blesses. Now that doesn't mean. I'm not going to get into all of this. You know you give him 10 bucks. and you claim you get 100 back. Now listen. You just give to the Lord's work. You be generous to the poor. He'll bless you. He will. He'll bless you. In some way. Very very. Important. Check this out. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. That's just, that's what the Bible teaches. My brothers and sisters in Christ, don't hold your money in a clenched fist. And that's how many people, they hold their money in a clenched fist. When you got a clenched fist, nothing goes out and nothing goes in. You live within the means of your clenched fist. Hold money with an open hand. God pours money on. And you can see money go and bless. Don't be and open and watch God bless important principles huh what's the first one work hard make an honest living number two be a good steward Take care of what you have. Number three, budget, plan. Work on it together, married couples. Number four, save money. Number five, avoid debt. Get out of debt. Number six, be generous. Mm. Those six things, man. Those six things. And I've given you only a couple of examples in each of those principles. The book of Proverbs is replete. It's adamant about these things. And there's no shortcut. Give that area of your life to the Lord. Let him bless it. I want to just mention a few more proverbs on finances about having the right perspective. Very important. These have been very important to me over the years. What it says in Proverbs 24, do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, don't they? They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. That proverb says, listen, don't overwork yourself for money. Don't spend your life putting all of your energy into getting rich. Don't spend your life that way. Yeah, you work hard. You, you're going to make a good living for your family. But don't, don't be obsessed with getting rich. Don't spend all the hours of your day in that pursuit. You will have wasted your life. The Bible says real life doesn't consist of the things that you wear or that you eat. Or where you live, or what you drive. That doesn't matter. And riches cannot, money can buy a lot of things, but it can't buy the most important things. Money will buy a bed, but it will not buy sleep. Money will buy books, but not brains. It'll buy food, but not an appetite. It'll buy finery, but not beauty. Money can buy a big house, but not a home. Money can buy medicine, but not health. Money can buy luxuries, but not culture. Money can buy amusement, but not happiness. Money can buy a crucifix. But not a savior. Money can buy a church pew, but not heaven. Don't overwork for it. Don't be obsessed with it. Proverbs 11, verse 28: "He who trusts in riches will, what, fall? but the righteous will flourish like foliage. No matter how much money you have, don't trust in it. We are not to trust in money. We are not to trust in wealth. Who are we to trust in, Christian? The Lord. Money is not to become your God. And then this one. I think there's a lot of wisdom in this one. Proverbs chapter 30. Two things I request of you, deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Watch this. Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who's the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. That's beautiful. There's balance. The guy says, Don't make me so wealthy that I forget to depend upon God. And yet, Lord, don't make me so poor that I steal. Lord, put me right in the middle. Keep me in that balance. Beautiful. Money's a big deal. No doubt. The work, and the things that we buy and we purchase, big part of our lives. The biggest part of your life should always be the Lord, though. And you are to honor him with the money that he allows you to have. Let's put these things into practice. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, I do pray that you would become more important to us than our bank accounts. I pray, Lord, that we would never put our trust in money over you. Father, I pray that we would never Worship money more than you. Lord, we we worship you. We serve you. Father, I know uh, that you've touched on many areas in our lives that can be a big struggle for many of us. And Lord, where we have failed, we ask for forgiveness and we ask that your grace would be poured out upon us. Lord, that we would truly do things that are right with money. Lord, for those who are in debt, I pray for deliverance, for relief, for responsibility. Lord, for those who are selfish, I pray for a spirit of unselfishness. Pray that we would be givers because you're a giver. And you've blessed us with so much. Lord, if we've been lazy, forgive us. Pray that we would work hard in that job that you've given us, be reliable. faithful. Lord, we give you this area in our lives. We trust you with it, and we know that you will bless. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand, and we're going to close